Hey, Debbie, I, I didn't do this last service on, on purpose. Would you mind coming up here for a minute? All right. This, uh, so something special. I, I thought today, since uh, Pastor John, we, we are, we're going to, and uh, right after service, uh, we are going to have some pizza and together and celebrate. It's great to break bread uh, with one another, and pizza is the best way to do that. And uh, this is an honor uh, for all of us to gather and to say, not just say thank you, because not every time do uh, people in ministry keep running well. So often we see people go to the left or to the right and they don't finish strong. You guys have been faithfully serving Jesus mightily. And uh, in spite of so many different things and situations, God has blessed you for 40 plus years in ministry. And uh, we thought it would be special. I, I called my, my uh, a friend in Israel. Uh, he, run, he has a shop. And uh, he, he got me a prayer shawl uh, that is, is, is made out of wool. It's one of these, these special ones. And it, it symbolizes the very picture of what God is for us. And you have always been underneath the shadow, the shelter of his wing, his wings. And uh, this, I would love it if you two could put this over yourselves. Here we are. All right. Now, now this is this is a neat picture because uh, in, in, in some of you are like, I'm not really into church. What is this whole? This is weird. Uh, I, I get that. Uh, but for for a, a rabbi, a teacher, uh, somebody that was uh, just following God in in uh, in the Hebrew manner, they would gather and seek intimacy, uh, privacy with the Lord, and they would come underneath a shawl like this, and they would bring their their wives. And their kids, and they would come underneath this. You read this in Proverbs 31, and mm. how they would, the, the children would rise mm. and stand up for their, for their uh, parents and for their mom and uh, for the blessing. And we have gathered. We're like your children. We're, like, it, it, we're encouraged by the ministry and teaching that you've provided through God's word faithfully. And uh, as you sit underneath the, the presence of his wings, it is an honor for all of us to, to gather and to say thank you but also to pray over you, just mm -hmm. as God is praying over us. And uh, would, you, would you, for those of us, uh, maybe are at home, uh, would you reach out your hand just in, in, in signifying prayer and uh, maybe here in person, would you just reach out? We just want to pray over uh, John and Debbie Rumble. Father in heaven, we want to say thank you because you have passed a phenomenal baton to run the race and they have been running so faithfully, so well for so long and they're going to continue to do that here and abroad. You have called them to do some dynamic things in ministry that uh, their story is still being written. And uh, we want to say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for pouring into us what you've poured into them and, and, and encouraged us with. May you continue to fill their cup and overflow it. May you provide a strength and blessing upon them. And well, Lord, where you're calling them to, may you continue to fill them with your might and your power. Mm -hmm dignity and, and strength. Jesus, they do everything not out of their own will, but they, they, they do it to follow you. We thank you, Jesus, for the blessing that it is and the honor it is. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen and amen. amen. Hey, congratulations. God bless you. Thank God bless you, too. Can we have you say something to everybody? Oh, wow. <clears throat> What a blessing it's been to be here and serving and loving all of you and so many others over the years. 
It's, it's truly been of God, and we'll never forget it. And the term out there that says, welcome home, it's, it's going to be a vision of mine. And when we're in town, this is where we'll be for church. And love all of you, and um, so much inspiration you've all given us. So thank you for all of the respect and honor you've given. And we just give God all glory, praise, and honor. Love you all. Thank you, Deb. Thank you. I'll let you take this down too. But uh, before you go down, I just want to comment too about this. It is such a blessing to serve. I mean, there are times that uh, it hasn't been easy. God has taken us to the end of ourselves that we would find the beginning of Him. But He has always been there. He has always been there. Never a day. I think it's important maybe you would recognize this even. With all the transitions we've worked through, we only have worked as a group of completely united elders at every step of the way. Never will I go forward in leadership if one heart is not there yet. And I've watched God just work, and we are so blessed with our leadership, uh, the brothers and sisters that have surrounded us. And it was about five months ago that I was in my office that I realized the time was here. And God has done this many times in our life. He's asked us to lay down and follow him again. And God began to open and we saw the knees. And yet I, I say this before the Lord, that this dear woman has been such a blessing in my life, Debbie. And I'm gonna thank you before everyone here. Uh, we've walked together. I, I rely so much on her sense of God and how she sees the Lord and it has been such a blessing. But also, we could not have done it without all of you. I look out and I see you and how you, the gifts that God has brought here to bring together Hope City has been just a great blessing. And we praise God for that because uh, really without the Lord, we're nothing, nothing. It's just a truth again and again you find in the Bible. And we praise God for all of you. And we're looking forward one more time to taking the Word of God and looking at it together. Thank you, Deb. Let's pray together as we start. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for everyone that is here. Lord, I thank you. Your word is still alive and quick and powerful. It's sharp. It, it pierces at times where I don't even want it to pierce. It has brought me back to you at places that I didn't even know I needed to be brought back. And today, Lord, as we open together the book of Daniel, I just pray, for Lord, that the Holy Spirit will work in every heart here, every life, that you would be exalted and glorified, in not only today, but through the blessed study that Pastor Joshua and possibly others will open up in this book. In the coming months, it can be a rich blessing in every life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we are starting the book of Daniel. And today we're just going to give a brief character sketch of, of, of Daniel. But we're also, we will be in the first chapter of the book of Daniel. If you do not have a Bible, we, we have ushers that are more than willing to give them out. And if you don't have a Bible home, take it home. Or if you have a friend that you would like to give a Bible to, take it, give it to them. But we will be in the first chapter of Daniel and a theme that we have today is a truth 
that you're going to see throughout the book of Daniel, and that is, dare to be a Daniel. But you will see in Daniel's life that Daniel's decision determined destiny. And we can't overemphasize this, that in the life of Daniel, when he chose, it determined not only Daniel's destiny, but many other people's destiny besides. And I want to read this first verse as we jump in of Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now Jehoiakim was the king of Israel at this time, of Judah. He was the king of Judah. Israel and Judah had separated but here we see this person, Nebuchadnezzar. He was the big guy in all of the region. Babylon ruled at this time. This was about 587 AD, BC, right before Jesus. And here was Nebuchadnezzar. He was a very powerful king. He got what he wanted. He went after the target. He was a very selfish man. He actually had an intention, Nebuchadnezzar, to be the God. And really, I, I think about this, you just give this thought. When we don't acknowledge God, we really quietly want to be God. And Nebuchadnezzar wanted to be that. And one of the verses in the Word of God that was written really speaking of Nebuchadnezzar, but also Satan, is Isaiah chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. And here... Isaiah writing said, But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the assembly. I will, in the recesses of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. And Nebuchadnezzar looked out of his kingdom and he saw this city called Jerusalem. He says, I want it. And I will siege it. And a siege, I, history records this siege would have lasted probably over a year. And what they would do, they'd bring their armies and surround the entire city. And then they would look how to cut the supply line off to the city. They'll starve them out. They'll water them out. They'll shut off the water supplies. And then they would get their, their soldiers and they would begin to shoot spears, but one of the great ways to break into a city in a siege is they would take a battering ram, and you would get some of your most able-bodied men, and they would swing this great big post that could be as long as this building towards the weakest wall and see if they couldn't break down the wall. And this was what a siege was. They would go on for days and days, weeks and weeks, months and months, uh, those inside the city would do everything they could to resist the siege. But the water would begin to go down. They would lose their... Some, some histories record, as I've read, that when they got in the city, the people had, all, had starved themselves out. They were so stubborn. They were not going to let Nebuchadnezzar have the city. But you know what else Nebuchadnezzar got? He went for the temple of Solomon. And he was the one who destroyed Solomon's temple. And he broke down the very place that God had chosen that he himself would speak to his people. But this was Nebuchadnezzar. As you look at this, so it speaks about another thing. In the third year of Jehoiakim, 
Jehoiakim. We have another verse for you. In 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 36 and 7, he was a young guy. That's when I began to preach the gospel at 25. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Zebediah, the daughter of Padiah of Rumah. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his fathers had done. Jehoiakim was a wicked king. What's interesting was his dad, Josiah, might have been the best king. And in one generation, the handoff of the baton wasn't made. You see why we, really Joshua was handing me a baton. But in this decision, to turn this responsibility to Joshua, I was handing him a baton to run where I cannot run and be, go where I cannot go. He's a younger guy. He has gifts. God will work marvelously. But here it was that Jehoiakim was on the throne when the city was broken down. He died a very brutal death. He was drugged through the city by horses, and he just died and was slain on the streets of the city uh, as a very wicked king. And I believe one of his one of his weapons served for just a short time. Then Zedekiah was put in. He was a puppet king of, of Judah. He was put in by that ruling Babylonian guard. And that, that was where Zedekiah, if you remember, he was a king. They actually finally poked out his eyes and took him into captivity. But one of the lessons that, that we, get, we get from this is whenever a nation turns from God, they're heading toward captivity. Let it never be forgotten in every one of our lives as we realize the day and age in which we're living that when you walk away from God, you're moving toward captivity. But what's really great about the story today is in the middle of this, we're going to see people that were free, surrounded by captivity. Now, we haven't read Daniel's name, but I want you to keep reading with me and let's find Daniel in the text. In verse 2, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, not our God. And he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family of the nobles, youths in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, who had the ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered him to teach them the, the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king appointed for them a daily ration for the king's choice food from the wine which he drank, and appointed they should be educated three years at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now here we come to what this person we're looking at today. Now among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel. Our main focus this morning and five lessons from Daniel's life. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them. And to Daniel, he assigned the name Belshazzar. How would if you like to be in Daniel and say, hey, you're getting the new name, it's Belshazzar. <laughs> I think I say, I, I, for me, I stick with Daniel. 
But that's not how they worked it. If you notice the next, the next three guys, Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Mishak, and to Azariah, Abednego. Now you're going to have some really rich lessons on the lives of these other three people. But their names were changed. And think of what had happened here. Captivity had came. Uh, there was a lot happening. Names are changed. Parents are gone. The agony and the weeping of a siege and captivity is almost, it's indescribable. Friends separated, families broken apart. It's all over at that time. But the first lesson we look at here was even in captivity, Daniel was blessed. It's important we see this and understand this because sometimes we think if our surroundings just get a little better, if our circumstances get better, if I get a better job. But we're going to see in the life of Daniel even this morning that even in the middle of captivity, in the middle of difficulty, he was a blessed man. Now, we're looking mostly originally at physical blessings. He was a, if you look at this with me, let's just look at what it says in the fourth verse. There was no defect or good looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding, discerning knowledge, had the ability for serving the king's court. And they were gonna get taught the great literature and language of the day. The Chaldeans. It's like, we're putting you through college, too. And in many, in many, to many Babylonians, they would have looked on and said, you gotta, you got to be kidding. These guys are Jewish captives, Hebrew captives. And they're going to take these guys and give them all of that. But God had chosen to bless in a path that he would bless other people. And remember, if we can remember and just hang on to this, 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 this truth that we're going to see again and again, and that is Daniel's decisions would determine destiny. You see, when we make decisions, we don't realize how many people are going to be affected. You make one decision for God. You make one choice for the kingdom of God. It is like a domino effect. It just goes boom, boom, children, family, neighbors, friends, colleagues. Sometimes I think that we forget what a marketplace ministry there is out there. It's been one of the deep passions of my heart. I haven't taught it much in the pulpit. But that we can be a true minister of the gospel on the most difficult job in this place. But these guys, Daniel uh, and, his, and his friends were put in a very blessed place. And for a moment they were probably going, wow, can you believe this? Maybe they got together. Hey, can you believe that we're getting such wow? that we have never had this in Jerusalem. But all of a sudden, just like this, things would change because God was working through this entire circumstance to bless others also. And Daniel was blessed in many ways. Oh, I love this verse in 2 Chronicles 16 and 9. I've used it many times teaching here even in really the short time I've been teaching here that the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. You know what God is just simply looking for? He's looking for a heart that says, God, I just want you. And I, I look at it, some of the places the Lord has taken us and the things that we've been called to do and the calling of God. And it's like, God, how did we ever get into this? We're just a couple of kids, Deb and I. We don't really know. One, of, uh, one day Joshua walked up to me and says, John, you're just an old farmer. 
And really, in many ways, that's what my grandfather was. And, and I just kind of started down this road, and, and God continued to bless in different ways. And we thank God for that. But here in Babylon, we're going to witness a blessing. But, but in the middle of this, if we go on, in all of this blessing, for a moment, look at the uh, Babylonian children looking on. You've got to be kidding. Look at those three guys, four guys there. But something happens that they wouldn't want in verse 8. They were, they were given this, but notice in verse 8 what Daniel did. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Lesson number two of Daniel's life. Daniel chose to be different. Now notice with me the text. He says he, he decided in his mind. Many times what happens in our actions don't start there. There was a battle back before. There was a warfare going on before. There was a struggle possibly. And Daniel said, I can't eat the king's food because I got to eat the king of the kings and lord of the lord's food. You know, if you could put the comparison of that in all the places the enemy wants to attract and pull us away. And Daniel just simply says, no, there's better food than the king's food. And that's what I want to eat. And as a result, a lot will happen. You'll watch and follow the pattern of these, not only Daniel, but the three other Hebrew boys and the choice they made. Daniel was just a young guy. Uh, I, I can't get you, give you the exact age. I've read 15, I'm 14. But a young guy, God was going to use in a mighty way. But in the very beginning in his heart, he said, I want to eat the best food. And so he says, I, I, I can't eat this. And here is a simple choice that he made. And we, we, we forget this sometimes, that some of the biggest things that happen in our lives are made by simple little choices of the heart. The heart and the mind are just like close companions that are just so close together. But when we say no, or we say yes, what comes out of that, the fruit of that, becomes amazing later in life. But how many of you here have struggled with being different? Any? Sometimes, have you ever just like me, you just want to fit in the crowd? I, I used to go to conferences where there'd be many people and most of them weren't believers. And many of them knew I was even a pastor and I'd think, I'll just kind of slide in here like this and everything will be okay. And I hope I can get out of here right after the dinner and go back to my hotel room and it'll be all over. And God usually had a beautiful sense of humor and he had other things in mind. I got to meet other people. And next thing here is other believers, people struggling their faith, marriage is going bad, everything else. But Daniel in this decision stood out. And he knew he would. He was going to go not just against some status quo ordinance. He's going against the king of Babylon. He's going, up, and I love the teaching of the word of God, when even the apostles in Acts 5.41, when they were tested, they said, we would rather obey God than man. And because of that, they, they paid a price. You know, I remember as a young guy, I, uh, 
when I was just a little guy. I think of Peter. Think of Peter first. Just think of some of the people. He would have said, I don't know the man when he's warming himself by the fire before Jesus went to the cross. I don't know who this person is. Or I think of um, James. James, the beloved apostle who was such a fiery guy, would have went to the Jerusalem council and said, let's just kind of work a deal here. And Paul called, called him out to his face and said, James, you're not really following God. You're more interested in seeking men. And we're going to see something in Daniel's life. He is sensitive to God's call first. And he stands out here and he chooses this. I remember as a young guy, my mom was... Uh, my mom is a very godly woman. She, as we leave here, the first thing we'll do is go see mom and dad. And they're in Modesto, California. But mom, when I grew up, the town of Modesto, where it is today, was a tenth of size. And every knew, everyone knew the Rumble family and my mom was a Christian. Everyone. And when I went in the grocery stores with mom, I, I don't know if any of you uh, younger people here have ever done that. I just would take a couple steps back. And mom would be there, and I'd kind of be over here like this. And then I can still remember our old, our old grocery stores had the, the comic book row. And I'll think, if I could end up in the comic book row and kind of get away from mom, I can see what the Mad Mag uh, comics are. And, uh, and some of those are probably still there. But I just stood back. And there's a place that uh, where Daniel was, he said, I will step forward. Many times Christians have something that stops them from stepping forward to where God wants them to be. You know, it's kind of like you get here to the edge and it's all faith and you say, but what are they going to think? Or what's the job going to be like after this? Or how's my wife or husband or friends going to be? But this wasn't where Daniel was. The Apostle Paul and a brother came earlier. You can probably look at, and I, I thought this as I shared that this first, the first time in Romans 7, there was a conflict in his heart. He wanted to do this, but he couldn't do it. He couldn't do this. He expressed a conflict in his heart. I want his flesh and spirit, and they pull. So he was even acknowledging, I'm a guy. There's times it doesn't really fit the same way. Paul to Timothy. Timothy was a godly young man, but he was timid. He just kind of stood back. Sometimes it isn't that we are just running away. We're just kind of timid. We just kind of stand back. I don't know whether I'm going to pay the price. You know, a lot of people have asked me, of course, because God put me in many businesses too. They'll say, what's the key to a successful business? I know it's all about uh, God and acknowledging God. And I'll say, you know what it really is? Making the hard decisions that no one else wants to make. And if you're willing to make them, it might work pretty well. It's a key to, it's a key to the church too, frankly, in leading the church. Making, they run very parallel, ones, ones of God, but making hard decisions. And you don't have to explain, you just... That's the key. You've got to make hard decisions. But Paul to Timothy, he was leaving Timothy at Ephesus. And here's what he told Timothy in his letter he wrote to him later. In 2 Timothy 1.8, he says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, Timothy. He's writing to him, But join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. And he's saying, Timothy, can I encourage you to stand up for Jesus? Can I just encourage you to stand for Jesus in the day in which we're living? Is what Paul is telling Timothy. And the text example of Daniel was as bad as it was in Babylon, in Babylonian captivity, he was going to stand for God. 
And there he's going to stand and simply say, I'm here. And I'll tell you, it's one of the great, there's been a lot of ways I've been encouraged in ministry, even here, in different ways. You don't know, some of you don't know where you have spoken to my heart. I watch people more than you might realize. I'm not one of those guys that judges and all this. But I'll see someone start growing in the kingdom of God and start being more positive for God. And he comes into the conversation more. It is such an encouragement to the pastor. You'll bless Pastor Joshua so much as he watches you grow in Jesus. There is something about that growth in Jesus that is so important. You know, outwardly it looks weak, sometimes standing for God. But inwardly it's strong. Outwardly you might lose a couple friends. And guess what will happen? You'll find a friend in God for sure. That's where Daniel's going to be. And you'll find some other friends too. They'll just kind of pop up. And let's keep reading here in the ninth verse. We've, so we've looked at a couple lessons in Daniel's life. They were physically blessed and he was willing to stand for God. But now in verse 9, I want to begin reading again about this wonderful man of God. Some people would say that he might be the most, uh, uh, the character without flaw as much as any in the Bible. You, you, you think about that as you're following this study through. They would say his holiness, his righteousness, his willingness to stand for integrity in difficult times, his fearlessness because he served such a powerful God was a part of Daniel's life. And you just kind of study that and, and, and see what happened. But the next lesson is that God blessed Daniel even in captivity. And God, it was God's hand blessing. Now verse 9, God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has appointed your food and your drink for why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths that are your, or your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my position. Here comes fear. Hold it. But what you begin to see here is the, the hand of God that God begins to bless even here. I am afraid. But Daniel, verse 11, said to the overseer who the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, Please test your servants for 10 days. So here was Daniel being blessed. He made up his mind and God granted him favor. And people saw and said, hold it. I don't know what to do about this. It doesn't make sense. What if I get in trouble with the king? It's one of the dangers of plain politics. Because really when you're plain politics, you're really plain politics with God. Whenever you're manipulating and maneuvering and trying to wrap things around, you're really trying, we're trying to control God and God will not be anyone's debtor. You know, God blessed Daniel in captivity in a very difficult time and people began to see this. I'm going to stop for a moment as, uh, as I give this departing message to give you something that came through my, my mind as I studied this. There in the course of Seven, eight years that Deb and I have been here, God has blessed us to get to know many wonderful children of God. Pastors. Pastor Brett was one of my best friends. He went on to Houston, Texas. Uh, 
Pastor Brad, but I go way beyond that. To name after name after name in this congregation. They may have been here a year, they may have been here five years, but you know who they were? They were giants that stood for God. I can remember one guy that came in one day and we were taking communion and he had this big old Harley jacket on and I was sitting over there and all of a sudden communion was coming. I was wondering, oh, does this guy even know what communion is? And service was out and he just opened up and just broke out how much the word meant to him that day. And God was speaking to my heart because I came from a very structured society. And I thank God that in these doors, that they stay open and they stay open wide, that anyone can come in and be encouraged and strengthened. And you know what will happen? Some will go on. Some will stay. Some will stay. Many will go on and serve effectively other places. Because I know one thing I am so blessed, Pastor Joshua, that you do. It just blesses me again and again. You just remember, you pray for these churches, the people, because I know this brother, and this is one of the reasons I can take my farewell, my departing in peace, is this brother's heart is for the kingdom of God that goes way beyond the four walls of these churches. It's way bigger. And if this church is a source of blessing for just six months, and someone else goes on, praise be to the name of God, because God, it's back to that baton. We hand off again, go, run. Be what you can be where God has you. And this is where Daniel was. And the blessing of God was overflowing in his life. And there was uh, amazing a blessing. You know, Bill is here today, one of our elders. And I've been so blessed uh, to get to know Bill and Jan. And I believe our relationships are for eternity. But one thing that I think about is I can always look to Bill and Bill, in his response back on anything, would always turn it to Jesus. And I remember one time, Bill, you might remember with me, we were, you were riding, we were going down Highway 260, and I'd been talking about a big problem. And you just sat there and didn't say anything for a long time, and finally Bill, got, Bill goes, praise God that we have a God-sized problem. And I go, wow, we didn't give it to him. And I praise God because many times uh, uh, Daniel was being blessed. And, and I don't want us to ever think, well, we're looking at his character, his life. But don't ever want to think that Daniel was not a man in all of us that was always saying, Lord, you're God. You know, one of the two great truths, you'll hear much teaching in this church. Some of you are new here. But there are two great truths of the gospel that should never go away. Ever, no matter where you are. Number one, Jesus is sufficient. Completely, always. Number two, we're not. And when we forget that, everything gets messed up. God is sufficient, but we're not until he takes over and he begins to work in our lives. But in verse 12, we find something else. These guys come to Daniel and say, Daniel, you guys are gonna, this is going to become a problem if we do this. And Daniel says, he presents a solution. Daniel was a problem solver. You know, I love problem solvers. You know, when I was 30 years old, one time I got hit with this tough problem, and I tell my dad about it, and I'm going to see him next week. He's 91. And I'll never, never forget, he turns over a five-gallon bucket, puts it upside down. He's an old farm guy. And he says, sit in that, sit in that bucket, John. 
I was a 30, 30 year old pastor trying to get all the answers to every question problem we ever had in churches. And he said, problems identified without solutions create confusion and division. If you find a problem, always find a solution. And that's who Daniel was. Daniel right there steps forward and says, I've got a solution. And if you look with me, you'll see, you'll see what his solution was. In verse 12, he says, please test your servants for 10 days. Now notice who he's speaking to. This is a power of the world. Daniel willing to stand there and say, test your servants for 10 days and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Let us just have some common stuff and see how it goes. And if you keep going, then our appearance will be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this manner and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their appearance seemed better and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their food, their choice food and the wine which they were to drink and kept giving them those vegetables. That's a real good one for you, you parents with children. Just keep giving them the vegetables because in this situation, it really worked. You know, the solution that Daniel proposed, you stop to think about it, was relatively simple. It was right there. He says, let's give it a 10-day chance. 10 days later, things look different. Have you ever saw, thought, has God taken you to this point like he has me? But you look for solutions, and it's right there. But you didn't even know it. It was right there. Well, back I lost my passport, and I had it all set to go the next day down here to Mexico and do a one-stop shop to get a whole bunch of dental work done in one day. And I go home, and I have this kind of a thick passport, and I could not find that passport. I've lost it before. I go, oh, this is not going to be good. And I raced around the house. And is it in Washington? Is it underneath something in the car? And all I did is pull the file cabinet out one more time, and I peeked in one more file, and there it was. It was right there. But I was looking everywhere else. You know, as, as God, as we leave you here, we leave you with the Word of God. We leave you the Spirit of God. We leave you the saints of God. And you put that all together. And if God is for us, who can be against us? He is always right there. Every solution is very close. He's not far away. And sometimes we look and we get fearful. And I've seen this in leadership work. And God, most of those 40 years, I was involved in various levels of leadership, all kinds of boards, all kinds of stuff. But I found that out. It didn't, didn't matter how smart all the guys were, how connected they were. It didn't matter if it was schools or nonprofits or churches or national corporate conferences. They all started drifting away. They all became fearful. They all started wondering. And you know what? When we would just simply turn to God, it was over. Over. All of the fears and all the frustrations and what ifs and what will happen to the organization. And this, if we would stop as men and women and turn to God, it was over. The answer was there. It was completely there. 
And Daniel gave a simple solution. They responded, and out of it came a rich blessing. In verse 17, as these four youths, 17, God gave them knowledge and an intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. But notice, God gave it. If you would get to heaven someday and get a chance to sit down with Daniel and say, Daniel, that was amazing about the lion's den and this and this, what happened? You already know the answer. God did it. Any good that ever comes to this church and any time I was here and even to this day is only because of God. It isn't because of a group of people that all came together. It wasn't just because certain people had a certain gift or certain connection. It is because of God alone. And this is what Daniel is doing. He was saying, no, God did it. It's so cool to see how Daniel just simply said, no, it's of the Lord. God did it. And then at the end of the days, which the king had specified for sending them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar and said, okay, now we go to the big king. They say, here, we got to tell him. The king talked with them, and out of them not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. Daniel and his friends grew in knowledge by doing, eating God's food instead of the king's food. You know, gr growth isn't measured often as quickly as we want to see. It's, it takes time. Sometimes you look back and say, praise God, I no longer have that same trial. I no longer have that same. But Daniel and his friends grew in knowledge, and now they were found for that. But now they're growing. Notice this. The king is seeing the benchmark, and he's saying, look it. They're growing in knowledge, intelligence, wisdom. And here came God's blessing just flowing out of these men to bless others. Let's read the rest of this chapter. Then at the end of the days, uh, as for every matter, of, verse 20, of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all the realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of the king Osiris the king. And what we begin to see here is Daniel. Daniel. Making decisions. That bless others in amazing ways. Because what happens with the blessing of God. And it's so important to recognize. God never gives his blessing for us, for us to hoard it. He gives it for us to share it. When we find the blessing of God. He wants it to come out of us and go to other people. Uh, he longs to see that because that's what God does. Uh, Job 17.9, uh, 17, a verse I want to share with you regarding the blessing of God. Nevertheless, the righteous will hold to his way. And he who has clean hands will grow stronger and stronger. Sometimes you wait for the blessing of God. But can I just encourage us to keep our hands clean when we wait for the blessing of God? Sometimes we can begin to gossip. We can begin to be tempted possibly in an immoral way. We can be tempted in a, uh, uh, another way. And the word of God says, keep your hands clean. And the person who keeps their hands clean gets stronger and stronger. I think sometimes God has wanted to bless us. He's wanted to pour his blessing out. He wants us to wait for him. 
waiting for him is so important to receive his blessing. But he wants our hands to be clean to receive the blessing. And just you can think about that and let God speak to you more about it uh, as he wants us to do that in the future. One more verse is in Proverbs 4 and 18. Uh, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. You know what I'm saying? As a Christian, when you're eating the king's food and you're looking to God as a king of kings and lord of lords and his son Jesus Christ that he sent, the light gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. You know one of the reasons we hand the baton to Joshua? Because I'm a 65-year-old guy. And I still have a lot of strength. But it's all grace. I don't know when, when God will, will ask me to teach my last lesson and to, to make my, my last mission trip over, over, overseas. But I know one thing as a child of God. Your outward body can even fail. And in Jesus Christ, you can keep growing and growing, just like the psalmist says, until the perfect day when God comes for his children. I love to see old saints. And Joshua was talking to me about it. And I told him, you know what my heart is? And you can call me or ask me or have someone ask me someday, are you still running towards the finish line? There's a temptation to say, I fought a few battles back here. Uh, I've, I've done a few things here. And no, God wants us giving our all at the end. He wants us to give what he has given us back to others in whatever way we possibly can. And here it was, a king then saw. Other people saw what Daniel's doing. Now the king saw, sees what Daniel's doing, and the blessing just keeps going and going and going and going. One decision determines destiny. Remember, God is working in every decision. If you make a decision for God, it isn't because you were so sharp to sort it out. It was because a draft of the Father was on you and he was calling you and you were responding. And when it's all said and done, it was God. It was not you. It was never us. It's God that did it. Last week, a, a very good friend, probably my best friend in high school's dad died of COVID in California. His name was Pete. He never believed. One of those great upstanding guys had the big nursery in town, the biggest nursery, always chipper. He had his boat ready to go and he went everywhere and him and his wife would take a two month trip every year someplace over in Europe. And really in many ways, Pete was just an envy of a young guy like me. I dated his daughter for a while and his, his son was my best friend and he's gone. And I read the, the, the writing and there's nothing about anything but accomplishments. And, so I called Jim. I had to spoke to Jim maybe in 25 years. And Jim had had a really rough life. He'd had a lot of tough things going on in his life. And I said, Jim, uh, he says, yeah, I, I lost dad. Dad got COVID. He got out of it, went back to the hospital. He was a specimen of health. And they put him in for two days and he's dead. And I said, how are you doing, Jim? And Jim says, John, you can't believe what's happened. He said, uh, since I've met you, I started going to a Calvary Chapel up in Oakdale, California, just below Sonora. And God has blessed me so much. And I'm a, I'm a child of God today. And my favorite thing to do every week is just go to church and worship him. And I have grown and the word of God has come so alive. 
Next week we go, I'll tell you what, I just want to go see Jim and speak to him. And out of it was a blessing that missed Pete, but caught Jim. There was a time I would have never saw Jim there. He was, he was just like me, just a party guy. Just living a life that I of, of sin. You probably wouldn't know that, but but I got a long ways away from God. It was it was it was a long ways away from God. My friends would have bet that I would never turn to God. But I was struck down like Paul on a Damascus road, just about like that, at 19 years old, and my heart was broken. And I couldn't go back. God began to say, follow me, follow me. You know what's crazy? When, when I first heard that voice, I didn't even know if it was normal. So I'd give a little money one time and I would call someone the next time. And I wasn't even a pastor yet. I became a pastor at 25. But I already was a pastor because I just wanted to bless and bless and bless. But I found something out of one of God's secrets. When you bless, God blesses you. You don't know what it's like to be here, and most of your leaders are no longer here. But I watch people walk in these doors that are praising God and thanking God and praising His name. And to be able to see God working like that, and then I begin to see you, without you even knowing it, choose to stand like Daniel. And you don't even know where I saw it. A sister walks out after church this morning and she tells me, I just started coming here and I'm not of this, uh, I don't know anyone here, but I need a church and God told me this is where I belong. I said, sister, just volunteer. Just volunteer and God will take you where he wants. And I'll tell you what she told me. She said, there's not many of my race in this church. And I said, you know what my heart is? And I'm your out, an outgoing pastor. My heart is this church is multicultural, multiracial, full because, and she looked at me and says, yes, I know why, because that's what heaven is going to be. It is. But more than anything else, I'm in a church that anyone can walk in those doors. Anytime. It's okay. They can heal here. They can suffer here. They can get mad here. You know, it's kind of crazy. I haven't had very many people chew me out write me any tough letters. A lot of things happen. They just didn't do it. But they can do that. They can do that. I want this church to be that. But I want to tell you what, what can make the difference. You know, Daniel sometimes seems a long ways away to us, but I wonder if maybe even today the Holy Spirit brought something across your mind of a place that you could choose to be a Daniel. Dare, maybe dare to be a Daniel. Just stand for him. Maybe it's in the job. Maybe it's at, in your home. Maybe it's uh, in the community. But to, to be a Daniel. And say, Lord, no matter what you take me through, I want to serve you. I want to live for you. And I want to be the one who will rise up and say, you're Lord, just like Daniel. And remember something. I didn't do this job because I wanted this job. I did it because God called me to do it. But you know what? I can never outgive God for the blessings He's given me back. 
I am so blessed to see Joshua. The friendship, most of you don't know this, some of you know this, transitions can be very rough. This has been very smooth. Five, five months ago, I was called to make this by God, sitting in my office, and I wept and wept. I said, your, your job's done. God's done that a lot in my life. I couldn't tell Joshua. I couldn't even tell Debbie. A couple nights later, we're watching a movie, and I start weeping and weeping. She says, what's happened? I said, God's calling us to go again. And I go with joy. I go with peace. I go with the strength of God that God will be with this church completely. God will be here because you have his spirit. And where the spirit of God is, there is solutions, there is answers, there is power in the name of Jesus. Never, never think there's any other answer but Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's it. There's no other solution but God. But I know as God leads you, you will go places you have no idea and you will do things that you have no idea. People say different ones, where are you going? I've got four or five countries that we work with that, that some of them, the church works with here that I really need to get back to. I put same things down several years ago to take this job up. I didn't get back. We have a church down the road that just lost their pastor. We might go over there just to bless them. My heart is to bless pastors, young leaders. I am so blessed to see you as friends and brothers and sisters in Jesus. But I want to be a Daniel in these last days. And I want you to invite you to be a Daniel in these last days too. And I don't know what that even looks like. But I'm going to invite Deb to come back here. And you know a lot of times we pastors, we stand up here. But you don't know one of the big secrets. We're no different than you are. We get depressed, struggle, don't know where to turn. And you finally turn back to the Lord and you go, this is amazing. And I just want to pray toward our God, but pray for you too. And I just want to invite any of you that want to join me up here. Right up here on this, around this stage, because I'm going to come down. Because really, in the spirit, this is where I am. I'm just one of you. I am a child of God, just like you. I'm a servant of God. I'm just a man of God, wanting to do His will. And Debbie, I'd like you to come join me. And if God lays in your heart, you want to join us in prayer, it's okay. I'd love to just pray with you, come and gather around us. And We'll sit down together and, and have a closing prayer of blessing for you and for this church and uh, for everyone that's going to come in these doors. And we know that God is sufficient and able, and we just thank you. And if God puts it in your heart, Lord, you showed me a place to be like Daniel. Speak it to him today. Share it with a friend. Share it with a neighbor. I want to be that Daniel in these last days. Lord God, I, I just thank you so much for your faithfulness. God, this is your church. We are your people. We need you. But Lord, you are everything to us. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God, I I know we all have many of the same needs. 
the same joys, the same struggles. But Lord, we want to dare to be a Daniel and to keep eating the king's meat all the time, no matter where we go. There's a lot of meat out there, Lord, that isn't spiritually. Oh God, may you bless this church with such a hunger for the king's food that they will seek nothing less than your very best. That each of these families of fathers and mothers will just keep rising up to call you blessed. And grandparents and cousins and visitors, God, I pray that this dear church can be a church that is family in such a way as the family of God that it will just be overflow with blessing just like we see in Daniel's life and you know, go up the streets of Greenway and Reams and into the villages and up and down the 303 because these dear folks have chosen to call you Lord and to eat your food. Thank you Lord for being here. I thank you God for never letting us go. for everyone you brought here. Thank you for their love, their kindness, their gifts, their visions. And may you have your way until you come again for your bride. So that the decisions that we make will determine the destiny, not only of ourselves, but others. And oh Lord, if there is someone here this morning that says, but I've never made a decision. Oh, Lord, you, you have a decision this morning that you have before them to serve the living and true God who sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. Oh, may you speak mightily in the hearts of any soul here that has not made that decision, Father. And we just seek you, Father, to follow and obey you and want nothing less than your very best to do.